Welcome to the Road to 10B podcast for aspiring triathletes on a journey to the world-renowned Ironman Wales event in Tenby. Here's your host, hoping to inspire you to reach your goals and full potential. He's an Ironman Wales finisher, PGA golf professional and a proud father, Tom Davis. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number nine of the Road to Tenby podcast. I've got a really special guest on again today who's been very, very kind enough to give me his time. Uh, but before we get into the podcast and we do the introductions, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Uh, we've just hit a little mini milestone uh, of a thousand downloads, which I'm really, really pleased with. Um, it's very small in terms of other podcasts, but uh, for me, I'm quite chuffed. We're nine episodes in, we've got a thousand downloads and um, the feedback seems to be seems to be reasonably good so far. So if you have got any feedback, uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you think that we could be doing something better as well, I'd also love to hear from you as well. So uh, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, another little announcement, uh, a company that uh, I've kind of, I get coached by RAS Endurance has got a giveaway going on at the moment where they're giving away 12 month coaching program, absolutely free of charge. You will see it on some of my stories where I'm uh, just promoting that for them. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant coaching service and anybody who wants to get any coaching for, for next year's Ironman Wales, I'd recommend it massively. Uh, you'll see it on my stories and I'll put a link to it uh, in my bio as well. So uh, take a look at that. So on today, today's episode, uh, I've got Andy Blow from uh, Precision Hydration. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andy. Hi, Tom. Thanks, thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, the, the pleasure is going to be all mine, I'm sure. Um, so just to give all the listeners a bit of a background here, I know we've been in touch uh, probably for, a, well, even maybe a month before kind of lockdown uh, and then lockdown happened and everything went a bit pear-shaped. Um, but the plan was really for me to actually come up to the headquarters and um, have an advanced sweat test and just go through the protocol. Yeah. And in, in between uh, us organizing that lockdown and post-lockdown, obviously Gary became uh, a sweat test center, which he's, lo- you know, he's located no more than a mile from where I live. So, um, yeah, yeah we, we, we got that, uh, that sweat test done last, last week, I think. Uh, and for yeah. anybody, lis- anybody listening, you might want to listen to that episode first because this is kind of almost like a follow-on from that session. But um, yeah, Andy, welcome to the podcast. And maybe for anybody who's not here to Precision Hydration or yourself, maybe just give us a bit of an introduction into you, uh, the company, and um, maybe where, where it's all, uh, all started from. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, so Precision Hydration is, is quite strongly linked with, with um, Ironman and long distance triathlon in general, really, because although we work with a ton of different sports nowadays, it was my own experiences racing Ironman distances, particularly in the, in the early 2000s that led to the, the company founding, really. Um, I, I raced a lot um, as a junior in triathlon doing short course stuff. And then it was when I stepped up to Ironman distance that I found there was a big disparity between how well I could perform in shorter races, you know, based on fitness and then how, poorly i was performing in long distance races especially in the heat and the to cut that massively long story short it was all about not getting my hydration and nutrition but specifically my hydration very very wrong that was causing my long distance races to fall apart so once i spent loads of time and money and emotional energy in sorting that out for myself i thought 
that it it sort of we started testing out um, sweat testing and, and different hydration regimes with with individual athletes and that eventually just kind of grew its own arms and legs and became a business which is now precision hydration so oh, wow. we we help a, a lot of a lot of ironman athletes these days it's a big part mm. of what we do how, how many how many kind of sports uh, are you linked to now because i'm, I'm sure i'm sure that it, it's it's endless when you look at all the different sports that you could kind of uh, you could delve into you, you must be linked with so many different sports and athletes all across the world definitely uh we i would say all of the major team sports that you've ever heard of we've probably had some involvement with one of our yeah. first one of our first big jobs many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago now, was to work with the England rugby team a little oh, bit. Wow. So we did we did some stuff with them. Um, they were preparing for either, I think it was one of the World Cups, and we're, we're interested in individualising hydration across the squad and, and trying to reduce cramping late yeah. on in games. So, And we've continued to do work with them for the last 10 years off and on, which has been really good. Um, we've We've also spread our wings in the last six or seven years into the US and we do a lot with uh, major league baseball teams with NBA basketball teams and the NFL we've even I know you have a a background in golf Tom as well and we've we've done quite a bit with some of the pro tour golfers especially when they go from the UK and Europe out to Dubai and the the Middle East and the Far East to to play in really hot and oppressive conditions and we've had a few little um, you know mini success stories with those guys as well and then and then on top of that of course you've got all of the a big part of what we do is all the classic endurance sports so um, you know cycling teams and um, you know triathletes runners swim runners all that kind of all that kind of good stuff anyone anyone who's going out for long enough where sweating becomes of interest basically yeah yeah like just touching on the golf side of things because obviously you know i'm mega interested in golf as well as triathlon um like even even down to the caddies you know i mean those guys have have got i've got to make decisions when they're carrying a bag you know in extremely hot conditions humid um you know i'm 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 surprised even kind of like the caddies don't go down that route as well you know because it'd be so valuable so valuable to them uh, just being able to kind of stay on top of their hydration and make really, really, you know, good decisions late on in the round, kind of thing, you know, and late on in the week, first class. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big cognitive thing. The golfer, one of the golfers that we had the most success with, you may well have heard of, is a guy called Stephen Gallagher, Scottish golfer. Yeah, I know Steve. And and yeah, and so Steve came to us because he was having real problems in hot tournaments and was falling yeah. apart. And a lot of the symptoms he described were eerily similar to the symptoms I experienced in triathlons and i sort of thought to myself well how much can you really sweat as a golfer and then we got chatting and we did some testing and he explained to me about how long they were out there and what the conditions were like and when we sweat tested him because as you know from what you went through we're we're testing for the amount of sodium or the amount of salt that gets lost in the sweat and his level was super high so i mean i'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more as we get into this but your level was kind of eight hundred and something milligrams per liter which is pretty normal it's kind of in in the middle of the ballpark yeah um if anything slightly below norm you know below average stevens was somewhere up in the sort of like 1600 range which is like double and it's very similar to my own so we put him on a a regime of some of the the stronger products that we make that a product called ph 1500 and he actually loved it so much and it made such a difference for him that he 
he wrote a testimonial for us that went on the original packaging when we first brought those products to market. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so, class. Yeah, and he's used, it, used them ever since. I'm so, surprised. We, uh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be it'd be yeah. really interesting, kind of like with, with with golfers to kind of go through like the whole tour and um, and to kind of see what what kind of results you get there because I'm I'm sh- I'm sure there would be some staggering results there. Um, mm. You know, guys from different backgrounds and different climates and yeah, that would it's it's just endless. But but kind of switching back over to triathlon here because yeah. there's probably less than one percent of the uh, the audience who are going to be golfers and triathletes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the one thing which I, I was really keen to discuss uh, is kind of like the, the results from the test which I got with Gary. Uh, now, for, for, for all of the listeners, like I've said, you might want to go back and listen to the, the, the episode I've done with Gary and we explain exactly what we went through. Um, I don't think we recorded it actually because we'd obviously done it live, but uh, it was a fascinating test and uh, my results come out at 839, I think it was 839. Um, and I was yeah. kind of, like you say, right in that kind of like average, um, kind of like, uh, sodium loss per, per 500 mils of, of water. Um, the interesting thing now is kind of like, I've got this information and f- for me, information is only good enough if you kind of like implement it correctly. So the, the imp- absolutely. Yeah. So the, the implementation of this now, um, for, for me as an athlete, what, what, what are the best protocols kind of like for training, for racing, even kind of like during the day on a normal day, like today, as an example, I trained early this morning. Um, you know, I'm not going to do anything for the rest of the day. You know, should I be taking on any sodium, you know, in my water through the day? Um, what, 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 what's the best ways that I can kind of utilize that information now and become the best possible athlete that I, that I can be? So, so what we've measured there to start off with to define it is we've measured the amount of sodium you lose per liter of sweat. Ah, per liter, sorry, and that's okay. per liter, yeah. So that's eight hundred and thirty-nine in your case, or thereabouts, milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. Mm. And the range that we see in a typical um, cross section of the population could be as little as two hundred, which would be very, very low, yeah. and we see very few people at that end of the spectrum through to average being about 900 to 1,000 milligrams per litre, which you're just a little bit, very Mm. slightly below, up to something like 2,000 milligrams at the high end, which is very, very salty sweat. Mm. And so you're looking at about a tenfold range. And we that observes what we call a normal distribution curve, which just basically means that if you graph the numbers, there's a lot of people in your shoes that are about in the middle. And as you get out towards the edges, there's less and less of us that are outliers. Mm. But what that, that piece of information, coupled with information about how much sweat you lose, so you know, how, in other words, what your sweat rate is and how many hours of activity you're doing, or that helps us to build up a picture of essentially, are you someone who kind of has a low requirement for fluid and sodium, a medium requirement, a high requirement, or a very high requirement? Mm. And although we give quite precise numbers and details when we do the test, what that's all about is not, it is not then you can't just punch all this into an algorithm or a spreadsheet and it will tell you exactly what you need to do. It's much more about calibrating it a zone in which you want to do some trial and error. Sure. So the way I would describe it to a triathlete is it's a bit like having a bike fit done by computer where someone measures all your angles and sets you up based on an ideal. And then what you do is you go out for a few rides with your Allen keys and you tweak it 
the seat up and down and the handlebars yeah. around a little bit and all of that. But what that initial test has done or what that initial fit has done is it's got you in the right space. Sure. Because the worst thing you can do is as a six foot six guy is ride a setup which was designed for someone who's, you know, five foot three. And the reason it's that never happens clearly with bikes because people sort of, you know, it's a bit obvious if you're on completely the wrong size bike. Yeah, yeah. But with with hydration and nutrition, there's a lot of confusion amongst athletes and and to a degree coaches and advisors and people. And there's a there's a whole fire hose of like information, misinformation, poor information, good information, and sifting that and sort of figuring out. And the bottom line for us is that for many many years people have shot for this and still do shoot for this kind of what's the key message around hydration, nutrition? You know, what's the the one size fits all answer? Because that's what we want to broadcast. And mm-hmm. actually, we've got to get away from that mindset. And it's more sure. about treating people as individuals not to the not to the nth degree of you know we have to now make you tom a drink that has 839 milligrams of sodium in it because that's exactly what you use that's just a ridiculous level of precision that's not required it's not it's not going to be beneficial sure but what it tells us is that your losses are for instance probably about 50 percent of what i'm losing so my regime for replacing sodium and fluid is going to benefit from being way more aggressive than yours sure so so in terms of you know getting around to the, the, the killer question here what actionable can you learn from it well in that report that you got off the back of the test we've tried to give you some some guardrails to operate yeah. within initially and that's about how much fluid to take you know per hour and where appropriate how much sodium to take with that in order to in order that you should come close to meeting your individual needs and then hopefully what you do is you refine that with a good old bit of trial and error on your long bike rides on your long runs your long brick sessions in order to get it dialed in because you know you were asking about what can it tell you about hydration day to day to be honest you know day to day hydration unless you're doing long sessions or it's very very hot Hmm. your day to day hydration is most people are good at at managing it on feel you know yeah, you, yeah. you drink as obvious as it sounds you drink when you're thirsty yeah. you get sodium in and electrolytes in through your food that you eat and that kind of thing and on an on the average day like i've run today i've run for 35 minutes this morning mm. if i'm really lucky i might get 30 minutes on the watt bike or something this evening but there's probably a slim chance of that <laughs> um so on a day like today what do i do about my hydration you know i take a bottle of water to work and drink as i feel sure on the flip side, on a Saturday, I've been going out recently and riding my gravel bike for three hours. And when it's been hot, I've been making sure that I have a good prehydrate with some sodium and fluids before I go. And because I'm a heavy sweater, I take a, two big bottles on the bike. And I'm for me, I know that if I want to get around that ride in great shape and have energy to run around with the kids and stuff afterwards, I probably need to drink seven or 800 milliliters per hour. As a, as a ballpark and I need to put some sodium in that to replace and so the idea is is that every individual case we try and get you close to those numbers and then it's a little bit of back and forth a little bit sure. of well I've tried this this is how I felt you know etc yeah yeah the, the, the one thing which is really interesting for me about the report which was generated after that test which was way way more detailed than I expected by the way it was it was, it was superb um is kind of like the the pre-hydration which yeah like I obviously knew that you need to be hydrated going into a race going into a training session 
but I didn't realize that kind of like, you know, you really need to stock up on your sodium as well before, you know, a big training session or a race as well, which is really, really kind of like a bit of an eye opener, really. Um, well, that, that comes from the fact that there's been a lot of research done that suggests that athletes over drink sometimes, over drink water in a bid to be really well hydrated. And especially this is true before an Ironman or a ultra distance run. Uh, or bike ride and you end up doing the opposite to your body you dilute you flush mm. the electrolytes and fluids out of your body and you end up a bit a little bit mildly what they call hyponatremic which is yeah. where you dilute the salts in your body so the the, the more up-to-date advice on that is to drink a smaller quantity of a very very strong electrolyte drink before you start because yeah. what that does is it pulls the fluid into your bloodstream so it can be there where you need it and you don't end up you know, just running to the toilet all the time and just, just flushing loads of yeah. water through your system. I've, I've definitely been guilty of that. It's kind of like, I wouldn't say drinking too much, but drinking more than I usually would kind of like the day, yeah. the day before. And, um, like you say, it's, you know, you can get into that kind of hyponatremic state and, and I would say as well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would say probably three weeks before a race historically for me, um, I probably ate, a little bit different and cut out a little bit of junk food and probably taking in less sodium in my diet than I normally would as well. So you you almost like exaggerate that kind of uh, hypernitremic state um, a lot mm. before a race, you know, I don't know whether that's quite common as well, you know, with kind of like dietary tr uh, trends and changes and stuff. We've definitely seen it in, in a cohort of people that, that try to eat what you'd call sort of like very clean, you know, yeah. people who are really yeah. trying to, cut out processed foods and things you can accidentally or inadvertently cut out additional sodium also sodium is kind of seen as a bit of a nutritional bad guy as well yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's that's may may be the case for the inactive members of the population but when you're sweating hours and hours a week you know and losing lots of salt it's not about the fact that more is better but it's just that in proportion to the guy next door who's you know dare I say it might just be playing around a golf or something like that and not smashing out six hours on his, on his push bike on Sunday, yeah, yeah. your, your overall salt requirements could be higher. So it's just, yeah. it's, it, and in that respect, you could, you could use the same analogy as, um, as with calories and the, and the athlete, you know, cause yeah. we all know when you start putting in 10, 12 hours of training a week, you need to eat more. Yeah. So when you need to sweat more, it's kind of intuitive. You probably yeah, need a little bit more salt as well. Yeah, it, it was quite interesting to me because, like on on Sunday, it was the first time that I've gone on a a big uh, a big ride or in a big training session after doing the test with Gary, and uh, I, I don't know whether this is just a coincidence or what or whether I got something wrong, but certainly when I was putting the products into the into the water um, into my drinks, uh, I, I felt like I was drinking more. Uh, I, I mean. I, I drank more during that six hour ride than I've ever drunk on any ride ever. And I don't know whether it's just yeah. a case of kind of like, you know, my body can see that that's exactly what it needed. And there was sodium in the water and I was just taking on water and, you know, those electrolyte tabs, like there was no, no tomorrow. Um, and I definitely felt a difference kind of like in my skin as well afterwards, kind of like with that salty mm. kind of feeling. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was good. There's, there's there's definitely two things which which kind of get overlooked occasionally with athletes, especially in training. And one is that the flavor of drinks that you have are a big determinant on how much you drink. Now, that yeah. sort of might be obvious to people in a way, but 
basically if you can find drinks that taste nicer you'll tend to drink more of them which can yeah. often be beneficial because you know we all know what it's like if you've got a bit of a moldy old water bottle with some lukewarm water on the bike or whatever, it's not very appealing to to drink it's it while you're out whereas if you've got <laughs> a lot I, I tend to get in the habit now of I'll mix up the bottles the night before put them in the fridge you know so that they're cold and ready to go and then you they are much nicer to consume and then the other thing is that if you put a little bit of sodium into drinks because that helps keep the sodium levels up in your blood mm. which is what it's designed to do it maintains your thirst drive a little yeah, bit yeah. so rather than just sort of getting sick of the taste of water because you're diluting yourself down the little bit of sodium can can make you feel a little bit thirsty which then okay you know sort of makes you drink a little bit more that's yeah. that's why we often say to athletes and you might have seen in your report that sometimes having a bottle of water alongside the electrolytes is a good idea because after a while you might find that the, the water starts to taste really good you know your body's craving yeah yeah, yeah. It's the water so there's never from us there's never an instruction that oh you, you know water is bad you should just drink electrolyte drinks or sports drinks you know it's like they they probably say during an ironman or a hot event are probably going to form a good proportion of what you drink but having access to some plain water as well and then drinking that when it tastes good yeah. is a real skill to develop because your body's you're learning to listen to your body then which mm. is really crucial yeah so I, I guess then like that that feeling which i got on saturday or sunday sorry of me feeling really really thirsty was just a byproduct really of me hydrating correctly yeah yeah, and it could be that what, what you try next time is saying, well, okay, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll sort of go halves, halves with some water, not, not in terms of diluting it down more, but have, some, have a separate bottle of water and then see if that quenches your thirst a bit better as you get later into the ride and you, you'll maybe... And it's all, that's where it all comes down to a little bit of, a little bit of trial and error, you know, because sure. you, can, you can obviously over-salt a little bit if you're a bit aggressive with the intake and sometimes that can make you feel a bit thirsty or a bit mm. you know, bloated. Or you can undersalt, in which case, you know, you can get a bit crampy or you can get feel a bit lethargic. And, and it's just about getting roughly in that sweet spot. And the, gr the great thing is, as an athlete, you know, the human body is very adaptable and very able to deal with different levels of input. You only need to get it about right and the body will sort out the difference. You yeah. know, it's the same with calories and all, and all that sort of thing. If mm. you get, we always, we always say to people, if you, were, if you really want to break it down simple for long distance racing, this kind of, three slash four things you've got to get right you've got to get roughly the right amount of water in you've got to get roughly the right amount of sodium in you've got to get roughly the right amount of calories per hour or grams of carbohydrate per hour and you've got to get your pacing compatible sure. with with both your fitness level and the yeah. conditions on the day and although that is a massive oversimplification that is if you if you want to go looking for where races go wrong for athletes you've got to look in one of those four sure spots just, just out of interest like um to, talking about kind of like where things went wrong how, how many how many times did it go wrong for you in kind of like uh like long course racing before you thought i've, I've really got to kind of like dig a little bit deeper here and kind of get to that point where you're like right I've got a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I can highlight probably three major occasions when it the wheels fell off horribly. Yeah. Um, the first one was I did Ironman Switzerland in 2000, and I went into it in good shape as an athlete. I was probably, I was probably thinking to myself, I was inexperienced, but I was thinking nine hours, you know, something like that. I was looking at 
awesome. you know, a reasonably high placing overall. Um, I actually like staggered in in ten and a half, feeling like death and cramping and wondering what had all gone wrong. And it was a very very hot day. It was like thirty yeah. odd degrees. That then I think I did. I I did a I had a good race maybe two thousand two two thousand three at um, the uh, half Ironman UK what would now be called seventy point three in Lamberes it used to be yeah. at Lamberes Pass and it was freezing cold so hydration wasn't a problem and I did really really well I got you know I think top fifteen or top twenty overall and just missed a slot for Sco- uh, for Kona by one place oh, and and then. Um, but but qualified to race at the I don't know if it's that race or another one but that year I qualified to race at the Nice World Championships for oh, long distance for, yeah. for, for the Great Britain elite team, and so I was super excited about having an elite start for Great Britain with my vest on and all that and nice. it was super hot. Did the classic what we talked about? Drank loads of water in the days before. Got on the cold events on the climb. Started to see my power dropping and feeling like shit. So I was drinking more and more and more, and I ended up just in a horrid mess like yeah. really close to not finishing the only thing that made me finish I mean I must have been close to dead last in the pro field I walked a lot of the run and then I remember finishing that and going to McDonald's and just eating fries for the salt you know that's just what my body wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. which was a big sign that I didn't yet understand and then the following year I went I did qualify for Kona that year at another race went to Kona and then imploded there in the heat as well. And it was at that point that I was really getting to my, I was getting to my wits end with it. Cause yeah, I was like, yeah. I've just spent but back in those days. It was, you know, it was probably, I say only, it was probably like five grand I spent to go just to go and walk up and down the Queen K, you know, <laughs> in a, and it was not, it was not what I, it was not what I was looking forward to. So, <laughs> so that was where all the frustration came. And then, you know, to put it in context, I, beyond that, once I got on top of this, I would never say that racing in the extreme heat became a favourite of mine, but I, I got top 10 in a couple of Ironman races. Oh. I raced successfully in Thailand and in all sorts of other hot places and sort of felt like I got on top of the, I got on top of the problem. Yeah. And, and for me, when I, once I got on top of it, it was like night and day. Oh, this nice. was like, it was, it was just such a difference. I was, there's videos of me, full body cramps over the line in an Ironman oh, compared wow. with other times I've run the last mile in an Ironman in six minutes, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's sort of, when you, when you feel that difference, it's unbelievable. And, you know, to, to, to be totally upfront with people, you know, my case is relatively extreme. I'm a guy who sweats a lot. I lose yeah. a lot of salt. So this was like a huge game changer for me. And that isn't the case for every single person. You know, some yeah. people don't find that, you know, this is not their major limiter mm. but if it is or if they sort of especially if people have cramping problems if they hate the heat if they recognize they get salt on their face when they're training and all those sort of things then this is an area where they've got to do some digging i think yeah it's, sure it could be it could be the key to unlocking some performance yeah nice so you know like for, for you it sounds like kind of like the, the cramping was like a big big kind of sign for you that something was going wrong uh, f- for other athletes like myself i touch wood um touch wood i, I don't really suffer with cramps um yeah. i haven't so far um what what would be kind of like other telltale symptoms that 
you know, you really need to look at kind of like your sodium levels and your hydration, you know, outside of kind of like the, the classic, you know, cramping after, you know, 13 miles an Ironman or whatever it is. Yeah. I would say one of the big ones, which is, which is vague, but worth exploring is like, generally, how do you feel about racing in the heat? If you if you've got an aversion to it, we we work with a cyclist who um, is in the pro tour with Sunweb, and he's a Tour de France sort of contender guy. And he said to us, you know, look, I just I've always he's won Belgian classic races and things like that in the cold. And he always said, look, I used to watch the weather forecast in the days before races, and if it was hot, I would already know I wasn't going to do well. And we sure enough, we sweat test him. You know, we find out his sweat sodium levels are really high. And whilst it's not you know, he, he's not yet gone and sort of proven the extent of what he can do in these longer, hotter multi-day races. He's got way more confidence in his ability to climb at the front of the, the pack and all that sort of stuff in the heat because of addressing that. So that if you've got that natural aversion to it, it's probably something to do with, oh, well, you know, I just, you know, this is... That's a that's a good sign, basically. That you're, yeah, you, yeah. this could be an issue for you. Another another one, which was a big one for me, training in the summer. So if you're training really hard, especially if you go out and do a couple of days of hard back to back training sessions in the heat, I would maybe sit on the sofa, lie down, you know, relax and recover after a session. If you get up and you feel very lightheaded and dizzy, you get what we call um, postural hypertension or like um, syncope, which is where you feel like you're going to faint or you actually do faint when your vision yeah. goes all fuzzy that's low blood pressure and that can be because you've expended and lost a lot of salt and a lot of fluid and that ultimately com- compromises your blood volume the other the other classic one is the old check your helmet straps on your bike and your running hat and if you've got salty crystals all over them and if your sweat stings in your eyes yeah or stings in little cuts if you've got little grazes or anything like that that can be a, hu- a huge sign as well that you're you're losing a lot of salt so they're, they're they're all good things to look for we've got a blog on our website which you can send you a link to which is kind of a checklist of all the signs and symptoms to look for yeah yeah i think i think that would be quite useful um you know for a lot of listeners i mean for me yeah. if i just knew knew that going back a year ago you know i think uh, that would be valuable for me definitely um yeah. so, so I've, I've got another question leading on from that so sure. like Maybe for me, this is not really that relevant, uh, not yet anyway. I'm not really looking to travel at all uh, to do any Ironman races uh, in the next year. But for anybody kind of like traveling to Ironman Wales or any event in that instance, like if your luggage gets lost and your all of your yeah. hydration uh, tabs and your electrolytes are in there, are there any kind of like hacks that, you know, athletes can use, um, you know, just things they could pick up in the shop, which has got a really, really high concentration of sodium in them. Like, like the one that springs to mind for me is like a can of that, like monster ultra, which seems to be like packed full of sodium, you know, um, it's yeah. something I I'm guilty of drinking quite a lot of, to be fair. Uh, but you know, what, what, what's the difference between like drinking a can of that monster as an example, you know, if you're, you know, you, you're in shit, you know, shit up shit Creek rather. And you, you need to, to prehydrate properly for a race as opposed to kind of like being perfect with your tabs and, you know, taking all, all your yeah. sodium through the products that you kind of, you, you would prescribe in the report. I would say I would probably steer clear of those. I haven't looked at the, the nutritional information of one of those monster things mm. or whatever, but what I would imagine is you get a lot of extra chemicals and bits and pieces. Sure. That, 
um, maybe caffeine and stuff, which is not caffeine can be good pre-race and all the rest of it, but, yeah. but only if you've tried it and dosing. So, you know, if you want to go ultra simple, you can definitely achieve a similar effect by eating some very salty food along with drinking. So you can add salt to your food quite aggressively. Sure. It's not a very precise way of doing it, but if you did that, that would help. And you yeah. just do that by taste. So as salty as you can go without <laughs> being ridiculous. If you, if people are really, you know, trying to work it out, salt is 39% sodium and yeah. 60, 61% chloride. So for every gram of salt, you're getting about 390 milligrams of sodium. Okay. You know, so that's a handy rule of thumb just to wow. understand. Yeah, that is um, and then what I would say is, you know, sometimes you might be able to get to a chemist or something like that and buy yourself like what we call uh, oral rehydration powders, you know, which yeah. are things like the, the, there's a trade, one of the trade names is like Dioralite. Uh, okay. Um, and they are basically, they don't taste fantastic. So you're not going to want to drink large quantities of them, but they're very, very strong. They're about two and a half times stronger than a regular sports drink would be in terms of the sodium okay. content yep. so they're they're you pretty universally available it sounds like a horrible shameless plug as well which it is but what we've done on numerous occasions as well is, especially in the uk is use next day shipping for people who are panicking yes. in races and stuff so give give team ph a call and yep. we will rush something out to you we actually did it for a guy at tembi last year we oh, next really? stayed him D dpd sorted him out with his Amazing. salt tablets for the nice. race so we love it we love it if we can help out <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. last minute no yeah. ex ex exactly and that's that's what that's what it's all about right it's just kind of getting someone out of a sticky situation that's class yeah so I've, I've got a couple of questions from uh, a few guys actually on the facebook group uh, that i've got yep and uh, the first one is from uh, Mark Barrow, and he says, what's the dangers of overloading sodium? Does it have an effect on performance if you just take 1500s to load and 1500s during an event like Ironman Wales? By drinking less with a higher concentration of sodium, does it have the same effect as drinking more with less concentration in brackets, a thousands? Yeah good question and a common one we get asked so i would say within reason and this is always a day i always caveat this statement because it's a dangerous thing to say to an athlete but within reason taking a little bit more sodium during a race in my opinion is is probably safer and better than taking a little bit less than what you need sure that though doesn't mean that more is better because there are limits and and it's the same thing with the, the prehydration thing it's like well if you tell athletes to drink one they'll drink three because you know the other two it's just seemed like a good idea mm. um for whatever reason you know athletes we love taking more of things that might make us go better so what what i would say is if you're if you are someone who sweats a lot and you, you know it's going to be hot and all the rest of it would you be better off you know tr going up a strength or drinking something stronger rather than not i would say yes that's probably yeah a good idea now the, the downside so the downside of consuming too much sodium is largely that um, you will start to retain more fluid than you than you should yeah. and that can make you a bit bloated it can certainly like you've identified it can make you feel very thirsty mm. and one of the early signs that you're overdoing it will be that you've got an aversion to the taste of salt or the electrolyte drinks are starting to taste yucky and what you want is water Sure. You might also start peeing quite a lot because you just hold, you just get so much fluid on board, you just need to get rid of it. Yeah. So 
that's that is a vague statement and i appreciate that because but it's but it has to be because people's needs are so different you know if you had a guy whose needs are negligible for sodium yeah. and they started piling in the 1500s their equivalent ratio of, of ODing on it so to speak is a lot higher than say i can get away with drinking that stuff all day long because i am sweating profusely and losing tons of salt yeah. so i would have to go a long way the other way to get get too much but you sure. tend to find bloating feeling dry mouth bit you know and probably a bit sicky in the stomach if you're ODing on on the salt the the reason it's i like people using drinks a lot although i don't i don't dislike people using salt capsules and those kind of products because we make some ourselves because they're very convenient and handy for on the run and later yeah. on in the bike ride but that's where you can run into the risk of people taking quite a bit too much because you don't taste them as you swallow them so sure. people pop them down maybe don't wash them down with enough water and i would say that's where you really need to understand do the maths on like how much is in those capsules mm. how many you're taking with how much and try to do that sensibly and the best thing i can say to people who've got that specific question is to email us you know we've got an email address which is hello at precisionhydration.com we'll gladly trade some emails with you and listen to your situation and sort of like try to give you some advice on what sounds like appropriate dosing for you sure because um, again it, it comes back to that thing about it being very individual yeah 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 no that's uh, that that sounds like mark will take a lot from that to be fair um i'll make sure i put the uh, the email address on the on the post as well so he's got it cool. um Got another question from Nick, Nick Stevenson. If you forget to hydrate or don't hydrate enough on the bike leg, are you able to drink a little bit more on the run or is it too late for that? By drinking more on the run, will it affect performance? Yeah, I would say that one of your main jobs in an Ironman is to not get yourself in that position because the <laughs> bike is a fantastic place to prioritize eating and drinking. You yeah. want to get off that bike fully fueled and fully hydrated because mm. we do know it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to, to figure out that you're going to be able to drink more on the bike per hour because of the convenience and because of the lack of movement, etc., than on the run. So having said that we've all you know got ourselves in trouble i'd say the best thing you can do in that situation is start to recognize it early you can naturally want to drink less on the run but by slowing your pace a little bit by potentially walking through some of the aid stations and by by taking a little bit more fluid in you might rescue the second half of the run a bit better if you do that um you you are going to inevitably though you know if you get off the bike in an ironman a little bit dehydrated it's usually downhill from from there basically yeah, yeah. Um, because it, especially because most days then you're getting into the hottest part of the day as well mm. so what it is a cop out to that question to a degree but i would say like don't do it get get yeah. your plan together on the bike and and then hopefully you know on the run we always it is always kind of a race to the edge of the cliff on the run you're trying to drink just enough to make sure that when you get to the line you kind of you, you're yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. At, the, at the edge at the edge I, I found it quite difficult when I had an Ironman Wales a couple of years ago is to kind of like, cause they obviously give you the cup with the water in, which is not a lot of water and you're trying to navigate your way through the aid stations as quickly as possible whilst trying to drink as much as possible as well. And it, it's yeah. like, like you say, it's, it's so much more convenient on, on the bike because you know, they're giving you a 750 mil bottle as opposed to a cup, which could have, you know, 
only half full of water and that kind of thing, you know, it's, um, I, I, I really like what you say there about really prioritizing the bike and just making sure that you're, you know, a stickler for your hydration on the bike. It's, um, sounds very logical. I would say as well, the top tip on the run is that a lot of people think in a misguided way that they can save time by kind of bundling through aid stations on the run. But the reality is unless you're in a, in a cat and mouse fight for the lead or something like that, you know, the amount that you'll gain by rushing through an aid station as compared with slowing down, making sure you go for cups early so that if you yeah. miss them, you still can get them later, even slowing to a walk. The vast majority yeah. of athletes won't. And then you can drink more. The other thing is as well, I know that quite often they have a shallow area where you can discard cups and things afterwards. But if you're prepared to carry the cup on a little bit further and then stick it in your shorts and drop it off at the next aid station mm. or whatever, there's no there's no rule that you have to drink that cup within sure. 100 meters. You know, yeah. and what I always used to do if it was hot was grab the top of the cup and crush it flat, so you've just got a tiny little spout there, and then you can carry that and drink and carry that and drink and just you know chuck it away at the next one. But that 